want you to. We're going to jump right in to our message today. We are continuing this series called God in You about getting to know the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. We're going to start in Acts chapter 1 this morning. I know the scripture that you saw on the post is a different scripture, but we're going to start in Acts chapter 1. So if you, if you want to go ahead and be finding that. Um, we are, I, I want to say too, I'm really grateful for the feedback that I've gotten from so many people uh, that you guys are learning through this series, that you're, uh, that the Holy Spirit is teaching you about himself that you're learning things about him that you didn't that you didn't know before, or maybe things that you never thought about, or maybe things that no one's ever taught you before. And so uh, I, I love getting that kind of feedback. Uh, every, every time I share God's word with you, I want, I want you to learn and grow, and I want God to, uh, to mature you in your faith. And so I'm grateful that so many of you have reached out and said, hey, I'm learning in this. Thank you for it. Um, it's, it, again, if you're learning anything from me, it's not because of me. It's because of the Holy Spirit. Um, so up until now, we've talked about how the Holy Spirit uh, introduces himself to, to an unbeliever, someone before we come into a relationship with Jesus. And, and when we've talked about conviction and repentance and, and how he brings us into that relationship with Jesus, and that's where the real transformation in our lives happens um, because we can't manufacture that at all. That's, that's something we have to remember through that. We, that's not something that we come up with, that we can't uh, manufacture conviction in someone else's life, in our own life, when we can't manufacture repentance, even on our own without the help of the Holy Spirit. But this morning, we're going to transition a little bit and we're going to talk about um, one of the things um, and actually several things that the Holy Spirit provides for us after we come into a relationship with Jesus, after we're saved, uh, after we've been uh, changed and made new by the Holy Spirit through our faith in what Jesus has done for us. What, what are the things that he, he provides for us after? Okay. So we're going to be, we're going to start in Acts chapter one this morning. Um, at, at kind of the very beginning. And I want us to start in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. So I'm going to put the scripture up on the screen. I'm going to be reading from CSB. If you've got your Bible, you follow along in your Bible as well. But this is, this is what it says. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. While he was with them, this is talking about Jesus, he commanded them with the disciples. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. You remember we said that Jesus has been teaching them all along about the Holy Spirit. He's been talking to them about his coming. Verse 5, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
Now, verse 8 here is what we're really going to focus on, but I, but I wanted you to have, I wanted to go back because context is always key, and I want us to always see the context of what Jesus is talking about when we pull a statement out. Um, he's been trying to teach the disciples all along about the Spirit. He's been, he's been talking to them about the Spirit and about how he was going to come, and the scriptures that we've studied already are examples of what Jesus taught them and says this is what the Spirit's going to do when he comes. And so now it's time. Now he, is, he has died. He's been buried. He's risen from the dead. He's appeared to them, and he is literally about to leave, and this is one of the last things he says to them. And he gives them instructions, and he tells them to wait. He says to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come because there will be a moment, a definitive moment that he comes and arrives. And he is going to fill them. He's going to indwell them. It's going to be a new, where, where the Holy Spirit has been present all along, this is going to be a new experience for them. He is going to come inside and he's going to dwell in them. And that's what Jesus was talking about when he said you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's what happens to all of us. When we come into a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into us. He begins to dwell in us as a believer. And so they're listening to Jesus say all this and they still have some questions and they still, at this point, still have this hope He's resurrected from the dead, and they still believe that maybe he's going to bring this earthly kingdom, that this is going to be the beginning of that. And so they ask him, hey, is this, Jesus, are you, are you about to start your kingdom? And then he answers them, answers them and says, you know what, it's, it's, not, it's not for you to know. Um, and, and you want to know, but it's not intended for you to know. And it's never been intended for you to know. And and I kind of paraphrase, it's like Jesus is saying, the Spirit is not coming for you to get what you want from me, for you to get what you're looking for from me. That's not why the Spirit's coming. The Spirit is coming so that you'll have the power to accomplish what I want from you. Uh, they were asking, Lord, is, is, is the Spirit coming so you can establish your kingdom, so basically so we can have things so things will be fulfilled the way we think it's going to be and Jesus is like no the spirit's coming not not to accomplish what you want but so that through you I can accomplish what I want so that the father can accomplish what he wants through you and so in verse 8 here Jesus says that the spirit will bring them power and that's the word I want us to focus on today. The Holy Spirit provides power for us as believers. And you say, well, power to do what? You know, I think about, I love superhero movies. I love, uh, I love the Avengers. And um, if you were to ask um, anybody who is a um, superhero movie fan, what would be the power that you would want? And there's all kinds of power. There's, there's super strength. There's um, intellectual uh, superpowers. There's uh, powers to to see, you know, see through things. There's there's all all these crazy different superpowers that that heroes throughout history have had. 
But Jesus says that for us as believers, there is a power that is given to us when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. And I, I don't know that all of us really live in the constant awareness of that power because we still tend to rely on ourselves most of the time. And so that's what I want us to talk about this morning. But Jesus says very specifically here in verse 8, he's giving them power to accomplish something very specific. And what is it? And you will be my witnesses. It's not a power to be able to um, leap tall buildings in a single bound or or go the faster than a than a train or anything like that. It's it's he says I'm giving you a power specifically for being my witnesses in the world to proclaim the gospel to tell other people the good news to be my witness, to tell my story, and to tell your story. The power the Holy Spirit gives us primarily is to be a witness in the world, okay? Um, and it's, and it's this, it, that's what he does for us. That's, what he, that's the power he was giving them because their primary goal was going to be to spread the good news about him, and that's our primary goal as well. And as he sent the Spirit to empower them to do that, when we become believers, he, the Spirit empowers us to do the same thing. Um, now, I want us to move to Acts chapter 10. I want us to look at this passage as well. Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 37. You know the events that took place throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with what? Power. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil because God was with him. We all remember uh, in, in the Gospels the story of the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus. And, and the Holy Spirit in that moment, even it says here in Acts, anointed Jesus with power. Um, to go about and do the things that he did in his ministry. And so what we have to understand is that Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus and gave him power to accomplish the Father's will is the same Holy Spirit that anoints our lives, that comes into our lives as believers and gives us the power to accomplish Jesus' will. You see, you see how the Spirit works? The Spirit empowered Jesus to accomplish the Father's will and that same Holy Spirit empowers us to accomplish the will of Jesus, which is what he says in Acts chapter 1, to be my witnesses. So there's a purpose. There's a specific purpose for the power that the Holy Spirit puts in us. And that purpose is to share the gospel. Okay? Um, so I, now I want us to move to Second Timothy chapter 1. Um, because we can talk about power, but power in and of itself, um, we, we may not know how to use that power the right way uh, sometimes. And so there, there's something key. We don't just say that the Holy Spirit gives us power but, but there's something else that's really important that I want us to focus on that goes along 
with that power. Power in our lives through the Holy Spirit also has some partners. And and Paul talks about that to Timothy in 2 Timothy. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of what? Power, love, and sound judgment. So, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the what? Power of God. So, Paul says here in verse 7, what God has not given us through the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit doesn't give us. And then he's, he says, this is what the Holy Spirit does give us. So I want us to look at that. The, the first thing he says in verse 7 is God has not given us a spirit of fear. And, and that word for fear means like a cowardly kind of fear, a, a shameful fear, a fear that comes from a, a selfish character. And if that is, is evident, if that's present in our lives, Paul says that does not come from God. Um, and so why is it, why do you think Paul would begin this statement by saying God has not given us a spirit of fear? If the purpose of the power in our lives is to share the gospel with people, if I were to ask you what's the number one thing that hinders you from sharing your faith with people, it's probably fear. And so Paul specifically says here um, to Timothy, and he also says to us, God has not given you a spirit of fear. So if you are experiencing fear and, and almost a, a cowardice in, in sharing the gospel with people, know that that is not the work of the Spirit in you. God does not put that spirit of fear in you. Um, fear will cause us to make excuses, right? Uh, fear is that thing in us that makes us imagine the rejection that someone is going to express to us if we try to share the gospel with them before we even do it. Don't we do that? Like we just imagine in our minds how much they're going to reject what we have to say before we even try, and that fear just keeps us from saying anything. Fear causes us to stay silent. It causes us not to speak up, not to share the gospel. And when we experience that kind of fear, Paul says that that fear does not come from the Holy Spirit, but rather because we are so susceptible to fear, and if we were left on our own to share the gospel, without that power of the Holy Spirit, we would almost certainly always choose fear. Because that's just who we are. But he says, God hasn't given you that spirit of fear that's in you. The Holy Spirit instead has given you these things. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. And I want us to look real quickly at all three of those things. The first one is power. Now, this word for power in 1 Timothy is the same word for power back in Acts chapter 1. 
that Jesus uses and tells the disciple, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is the same word that Jesus used. And this is the word in the Greek that we get our English word dynamite from. And so that really captures what this word power means. Um, it's a power that gives us boldness to accomplish the mission that Jesus has for us. And so here's, here's a point that I want you to remember. The Holy Spirit's power doesn't just give us boldness to be obedient, but he makes our obedience effective. This is, this is one thing that the Holy Spirit does. We think not only does the Spirit give us the power to overcome fear, to be able to speak up and be a witness with both our lives and our words. He, he empowers us to be able to, to speak up and do it. But then at the same time, it's the work of the Spirit that takes whatever boldness He brings out of us and then makes it effective. Because boldness by itself isn't always effective to accomplish what we want to accomplish. When I was thinking about that, I can remember <laughs> when, and y'all are going to laugh at me for this, when, when I was a teenager growing up, uh, I can remember I went through all the same emotions that, that every teenager goes through as a guy. There were, there were girls that I would see that I really liked, that I had crushes on. And I, a lot of them, I was too scared to even talk to them. Uh, but th I can remember in my life, maybe a, just a few instances where I did muster up enough courage and, and boldness to actually confess to a girl how I felt about them, that I, that I really liked them. And it wasn't always effective. <laughs> uh, there are so many times that I remember not so many, because most of the time I just didn't say anything. But the few times that I did get the courage to be bold, to say, hey, I, I really like you. It wasn't always effective because I got put in the friend zone uh, most every time <laughs> that I did that, um, except for Kim. And I'm so glad that uh, she was there all along. I've told you all that story before. She was there all along and, and I didn't see it. But in those times I would if I ever got enough courage or boldness to actually speak up and tell um, a girl how I felt, I got put in the friend zone. And then it was devastating. Um, and But there was a part of me that thought, if I can just get up enough courage to say something, then then I'll get what I want. But that's that's not always the case. I had the power. I came up with the power to be bold enough to speak up, but I didn't have the power to change the way they felt about me. The, it, it wasn't effective. I had the boldness to speak up, but I couldn't make it effective. The Spirit not only gives us that power to speak up for Christ, to, to share our witness, to share our story with people, but our story by itself doesn't have any power. Our story only takes on power when the Spirit gives it the power to work in that person's life. So he musters, he, he gives us the boldness, the power to speak, and then he takes what we speak and he applies his power to that. And it's because of his power in what we speak that he can change somebody's heart. 
remember we've said all along that the Spirit is the one that changes people's hearts, not us, not our stories, no matter how dramatic. That's why it doesn't matter how dramatic our story of faith is. Some people think they have to have this big, huge, dramatic story of coming from you know the, the pit of sin and and the Holy Spirit just completely changing them. Everybody's story isn't like that, but it doesn't have to be because the the Spirit is what puts power in our story, not us. Okay? So, this passage in, um, in, in 2 Timothy, there are two other things that Paul says um, the Spirit gives us. He gives us power, but then it also says, Power has two other partners. That, that power is just not power of itself, but it also comes with two other things that work hand in hand with that power to make it effective. And love is the second one. I want us to look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through who? Through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So not only does the Spirit give us power to speak the gospel, the Spirit also gives us love to be able to share the gospel and the power to love people for the sake of the gospel is what the Spirit does. I hope that as a believer, when you came to know Christ, that you experienced a change in the way you love people. We should experience a change in the way we love each other. People that we already love, we love them differently. And then also we should experience a change in the fact that there were people that we didn't have love for that now we do because it says the love of God God's love has poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So now all of a sudden, we go from just loving like we love to loving the way God loves. His love is poured in us, and so it changes the way we see people. It changes the way we love people, and that love motivates us to share the gospel. And the Spirit also is the one who gives us the power to love the people who are hardest to love. Because let's just be honest, there are people in our lives that are really difficult to love. And you say, you know what, I really struggle with that. And if we struggle with it, it's probably because we're relying more on our own power to love them than we're relying on the Spirit to give us God's love, to help us experience God's love. Because if God's, if the Holy Spirit is in us, that power to love is also in us. I want us to look at Luke chapter 6. This is this is another passage that that um, when we talk about how we love people that's so important. Luke 6 verse 32. This is Jesus talking. He says, "If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them." And if you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Jesus is saying something really important here, that 
people without the Spirit have the capacity to love. It's not that love is just something that's reserved for Christians. But there's a difference in the way believers love. That when the Holy Spirit comes into us, he gives us the power to love not just the people who love us and not just the people who do good things for us, but he gives us the power to love the unlovable. He gives us power to love the people who can do nothing in return for us, who can't reciprocate any of that love because we love them because of God's love and how he loves them. It's not because of what we can get or what we can gain from them. And the power that we speak the gospel in has to be powered also by the love of the Spirit. So here's another point that I want you to remember that we have to maintain as we are moving in the power of the Spirit. We can't give credit to the Holy Spirit for our loud voices unless those voices are driven by loving hearts. Because let's be honest, we... Some of us as Christians, we don't have a problem speaking up. <laughs> we don't have a problem opening our mouth. We, we, can, we can tell people, and, and we may be speaking the truth. But when we speak the truth harshly, and when we do it not in the love of God, and then we give credit to God for our harsh words, for our, um, for our truthful insults, I mean, how many times have we caught ourselves saying something about someone or something and going, well, it's the truth. That still doesn't make it effective. It doesn't make it godly. So when we, when we have the power, if God has empowered us to speak the truth and we give him credit for giving us the power to speak the truth, if we're going to speak the truth in Jesus' name, we have to do it in love because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of of power and love. Those, those go together. All of those, those things are all a part of the Spirit. Not just the power, but the love goes along with it. And so there's one other partner that Paul talks about in 2 Timothy. He says that he gives us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and the spirit of sound judgment. Um, he gives us a spirit of discipline. We can use, we can substitute that word discipline in with that, that phrase, sound judgment. I want us to look at uh, 1 Corinthians 9. This is Paul speaking. And he says, So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Wow. The Holy Spirit doesn't just give us power to speak the gospel, and he doesn't just give us the love to speak the gospel in God's love, but he also he gives us discipline. He gives us sound judgment. Okay, and and that's what so many of us are are trying to figure out. God, in the midst of this pandemic, what is good, sound judgment? And and Jesus tells us here that he he's the Spirit gives us sound judgment. But what Paul is talking about here 
is a spiritual discipline in our own lives. As we preach the gospel, we have to exhibit the discipline that makes the gospel credible. Um, power that is not disciplined, power that is not um, harnessed and used efficiently and correctly can cause chaos, it can cause disorder, confusion, and, and power without discipline can cause destruction. And unfortunately, I've seen that in my life. I've seen that in the life of believers. And sometimes we, like God has empowered us to, to do things, but, but there's no discipline in our life. And that power, we just, we just throw it out there and it causes trouble. It causes disruption. It causes people uh, to turn away from God. It causes broken relationships between people in the church. And that is not the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. When we, when we use whatever power that we've been given in an undisciplined way, that doesn't reflect what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. That's not what he provides because the power that the Spirit provides also is that power of love and that power of discipline. Um, he gives us the power to be disciplined in the way we live our lives. He gives us power to discipline our emotions. And that's a struggle sometimes. He also gives us power to establish spiritual disciplines in our life like when, when we say that, we're talking about things like prayer and Bible study and, and corporate worship coming together, being a part of your church family. That is a discipline spiritually that the Holy Spirit empowers us with, the discipline of tithing, the, the discipline of, of witnessing and sharing our faith. You say, well, Eric, I struggle with some of that stuff. If you struggle with it, it's... It's because you're you're relying on your own strength to be able to do it. Because God has said, I've given you a spirit of discipline. I've given you a spirit of sound judgment to be able to make the right choices. Should I do this or should I not do this? The spirit gives us that power. And the spirit gives every believer that power. And so... There's power in our lives as believers, and that power comes from the Holy Spirit, but that power is also bridled by sound, good judgment, and it's driven by the very love of God that the Holy Spirit pours into our hearts. So be careful what power you credit to God, because if it's, if it's your own power, that's what's discredited the church for so long. People are doing things in their own power and they're manufacturing this man-made power and they're, and they're saying it's from God when it's not. Paul, the scriptures make it real clear that the power that comes from the Holy Spirit in us is not just the spirit of power, but it's also the spirit of love and it's the spirit of sound judgment. It's the spirit of discipline. And I want you to know if you're a believer this morning that, that you do have that power in you. And you may feel like you don't. You may feel like, Eric, there's so many of these things that I struggle with. I know I'm a believer. I know that I've trusted Christ. 
my faith in him is strong, but I feel like my power is weak. If you if you're not experiencing that kind of power, it's it's probably for a couple of reasons. One, maybe you don't really have a relationship with the Lord. Maybe the Holy Spirit hasn't come into your life. He's he's not present in your life, and because he's not there, you don't have access to that power that he provides. But maybe for some of us, the Holy Spirit is there, but we've suppressed that power and we've and we've quenched the Spirit because we are choosing to put our own power and our own abilities and our own discipline and our own love in front of Him instead of relying on Him, instead of, of, of nurturing that relationship with the Holy Spirit so that He can teach us and that He can work through us and, and putting ourselves in situations where we have to rely on His love and His discipline and his power in us to do what Jesus has called us to do. I think about it this way, and I'm going to wrap up with this illustration. You guys remember uh, the Flintstones. I loved, uh, that was a cartoon that I watched as a kid all the time. And how did Fred Flintstone drive his car? Uh, he, he would jump in his car, and there was no engine, so he would use his feet, Right? And you can remember the cartoon, they would jump in their cars and their feet would just go crazy and it would make their car go. Well, Fred Flintstone had to do that because he didn't have an engine in his car, right? Would you buy a car today that you had to move with your feet? No, absolutely not. Why? Because you've got a car with an engine. You don't have to do that. The engine powers the car to move you to where it is you want to go, right? I think maybe for some of us as believers, we have the engine of the Holy Spirit in our spiritual lives. But instead of using the engine to move, we're trying to put our feet through the floorboard and we're trying to move the car with our feet like Fred Flintstone did. Why would we do that when we've got an engine? When we've got a power in us that is more than capable of moving us further and stronger and more effectively than we could ever do on our own. But I think there's too many Christians who are trying to pedal their spiritual lives with their feet rather than let the power of the Holy Spirit drive and move us to accomplish what it is Jesus wants us to do. So this morning, I just want to pray. I want to pray for us that we would continue to get to know the power of the Holy Spirit and give him the freedom and not quench his work in our life and give him the freedom to experience the power that he provides. So pray with me this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you that you do not leave us to operate in accomplishing your mission in the world on our own. That when the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells us, that the very same power when the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead is the, is the same power that dwells in us, God, the same Spirit that enabled Jesus to, to accomplish his ministry on earth is the same Spirit that you put into us when we put our faith and our trust in you. And God, so many of us are, are not connected with the power of the Spirit because we're just trying to do everything in our own power. We're trying to do it on our own. 
We're trying to use our own sound judgment. We're trying to, to love people in our own human love. And it so falls short of what you've called us to do. But God, there's so many other believers that I know who could give stories and testimonies of how you empowered them to do things that they didn't think they could do. And that you took their effort, what, what they could offer, and you breathed your power into it through the Holy Spirit and you used it to change people's lives when by itself it could have done nothing. God, I'm fully aware that every time I stand in front of our church to preach your word, that every time I get on Facebook to share your truth, that, that there's no power in the things that I say. I'm not that smart, God. I don't have that kind of power in me to, to teach and, and, to, and for anything that I say to have any effect in anybody's life. I know that any power that, that I have to influence or affect or draw anybody closer to you or to teach them anything, that that power comes from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come from me. The scriptures also said that we have this treasure in, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power comes from God and not from us, God. We are just clay pots that you choose to pour your power and your love and your sound judgment into so that we can accomplish what you want. God, for those of us who are believers, may we focus on allowing the Holy Spirit's power to drive everything that we do in your name. And Lord, for anyone who doesn't have the gift of the Spirit, who has never put their faith and trust in you, I pray that even today, uh, through this message, that the Spirit's power would move in their hearts to bring conviction and to bring repentance so that they could be changed and made into a brand new person. God, all things new. We love you so much. Thank you for bringing us together as a church family, for giving us this time together this morning. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.